What are you and your horse? You got a big laugh out of that? That's no joke, T. What the fuck is it? That's no joke. That cost me a lot of money to get the retouching done. What the fuck you do it for? Don't bullshit me, Paulie. Part of it, all right, was to fix some fire damage on the guy's feet. But while I was at it, I also thought, I don't have a modern look in here. So go with something more traditional. Something that catches more of what you're really all about. A goddamn lawn jockey? That's not a lawn jockey. That's a general. What general? Oh, it's not a real general from history. It's you. It's you, Tony. You are the general, and your soldiers are maybe feeling a little unrest. Welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every episode of The Sopranos. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen every season of The Sopranos except season six. That's 65 episodes, everybody keeping count. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're done with another season. Uh, these These seasons, they're like... They're, they're, they come and go like the seasons in Notting Hill when he's walking along that street. It's just fall and then summer and then fall again. And here we are, and another one has to fall, and another one bites the dust. Uh, who put this episode, which is called All Due Respect, together, Jim? Uh, this episode is written by David Chase, Robin Green, and Mitchell Burgess. Uh, names from the beginning and names we'll continue to hear. Directed by John Patterson, who has directed all of the finales. Unfortunately, this is the last episode he directed. He did pass away in oh. 2005 uh, from prostate cancer, unfortunately. R.I.P. Uh, this episode aired June 6, 2004. Oh, shit. Yeah, I did not uh, did not realize. He has definitely been one a name we've heard over and over. So that's a little bit sad even though it obviously happened a lot of years ago and I just found out about it and I never met the guy. But still, kind of sad. Um, yeah, this is another season finale. I, overall thoughts, I'll just give some overall thoughts. Uh, as expected, um, the previous few episodes have kind of been bigger than this one would be, in my mind. It's not like... Uh, m- many good TV shows don't necessarily feel the need to end with a big bang. Um, the I mean, every season. Because uh, The Sopranos in itself, I mean, it's usually like resetting the stage or whatever after big things have, have gone down. Like, there's usually a montage, I believe we've said. There was, I didn't catch a montage in this one. Um, but it is still, it's, it's wrap, tying up a lot of loose ends, most notably Tony Egg. That's right. Yeah, Tony Blundetto, who left a big sh- uh, shit sandwich on Tony's plate, uh, the, the, where we last left, uh, tensions were getting, uh, you know, were raising up with New York. Uh, Tony Soprano told Johnny Sack to go fuck himself to protect his cousin. Uh, but now we, I mean, we find out in this episode it wasn't necessarily to protect him. Uh, it's more, you know, getting into the mind of Tony Soprano, uh, and everyone's like, oh, here we go. The big war with New York. It's going down season five finale. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I did read that, uh, last, uh, episode as well when he, he does, he is there to like give over Tony. He just wants it to be quick. He just wants a little morsel. And like Silvio points out, you just don't want to eat shit from this guy and in Silvio's view it's like that was kind of unfortunate we could have avoided a lot of shit 
Um, I do weirdly side with Sony on it because I feel like the dynamic is important when you're, you know, getting a new business relationship or expanding on a previous business relationship. So in my callous uh, sort of uh, layman's eyes, I'm like, yeah, I know, I know what a mob boss would do, and I feel like uh, Tony did the right thing there, kind of. Um, but he has to struggle with that, and he, he's a bit wishy-washy, doesn't go either way until he obviously goes uh, the one way. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it is, it is interesting because I do side with Tony as well, um, and especially kind of what we know about Johnny Sack and the way he's acted in the past and the potential of how he'll act in the future now that he is the boss. Uh, it does feel like Tony is kind of making the right decision. Uh, I think it's interesting the way they lay it out in this episode, where I feel like they're. They're trying to pull back the curtain for the audience to be like, well, it's, it, it is, but it's not quite the, for the reasons you think it is. And I kind of believe Silvio, and I th feel like Silvio is correct in his read on Tony in that it is more of like, a, uh, I guess, a pissing contest kind of way. But then again, he is the boss. And if any if the, as he tells Silvio, a boss is going to understand what it's like because it's lonely at the top. Yeah. Which is why he gets to sort of uh, what he gets to talk about with uh, Johnny as well there towards the end. Um, let's go through the beats here of the episode, starting out with, let's see, uh, what is it? The very start. Uh, at the beginning, we open on a body bag, and then we got right. Phil is at the doctor. Like it feels like this, uh, his brother Billy being dead. Like they've really drawn this out. Like he hasn't seen the body yet. Jesus. Like so, we're at the point where he's there and he wants to see the body because he promised his mother uh, he'd see him without all that cake shit on him. I, I assume it means like the makeup and all done up for the open casket. And that's, right. that's when he sees the body, he has the whole thing like, how long I got to wait, John? Like he really, he's itching. He's got a hard on for his revenge. He, he needs to get Tony B. He needs to get revenge for uh, missing one from his family. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's the big setup there. We get a shot as well uh, of Tony, Tony B, Tony Egg, um, there uh, at, hanging out, uh, sleeping in a sleeping bag with a prostitute. That's I, what's going on, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's got a chick there, and um, we kind of hear like from what she's saying, like whatever story he's told her that he's a caretaker waiting on money from his cousin to go to Italy or something like that. Cause she's kind of like, yeah, this caretaker job sucks, you know, cause he's sleeping in a sleeping bag. He's got a lot of like loose supplies, uh, strewn about. Uh, I love that. She's like, thanks for that massage, by the way, my toe doesn't hardly hurt at all. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just like it because that was such a big thing there for him. And he's doing it now again, something he presumably didn't do uh, for the short period of time that he was getting back involved with the whole crime thing. Yeah. And it's also just kind of a nice uh, reminder that he didn't have to go this route. And for, yeah. I mean, a good chunk of this season, he wasn't going this route. Although I guess, Either way, like let's if we looked at it from what we know about Tony B, even if he had a uh, like he was he had his shop set up with the was it the Korean guy or I forget yeah, yeah. Uh, and then but things still played out where his buddy there got taken out. I guess Tony B still would have flown off the handle. I'd imagine. Yeah, I would think so as well. Um, but but you're right. It's like was it worth it? 
uh tony yeah <laughs> like yeah. uh not only like he he could have had something kind of nice with that but it's like that's the that's the big the big decision that they've all got to make that christopher made the other episode as well where it's like do i want like i could easily be the guy getting in the car with the kids and that and may- maybe that guy leads a pretty happy life if you catch him at any other second when he's not <laughs> sleep deprived maybe they're going on vacation and he's yeah. just annoyed about the trip like it could be that, but from where you are, like I'm like you're, you're like no, this is this is the only life for me. But it's gonna end that like Tony, what what you've done here is so obvious that it's like it's gonna end, and that's actually something I wanted to mention as well. It's been so heavily telegraphed that he's gonna die, so obviously not a shock. It's and uh, if nothing else, I was like I don't think Steve Buscemi is in that much of the sopranos i was like i feel like he they were like this is the this is his season or a season where he's part of it but it's like he's not going to be in all of it and just that's just besides all of the uh violence and stuff that he's actually done so the fact that he would die has been like that obviously wasn't a shock which is why it makes sense the way it plays out which is interesting because they talk about well david chase has mentioned and i think um on the wiki, they mentioned that I think uh, uh, Edie Falco, who plays Carmilla, on the commentary mentions that uh, Tony B, when they initially made the character, he wasn't supposed to die this season. He was supposed mm. to potentially be more of a, um, like, I guess, a villain to Tony Soprano, like in the long term planning, but just as they started mapping out the characters and what they do, it just came to the point where, well, no, we do have to kill him here. I mean, I, I don't know the specifics on what they what they would have wanted, but I guess it was supposed to be more of a longer-term antagonist to Tony Soprano. But, you know, things happen the way they happen, and uh, this is where we end up. Yeah, that is, uh, that is interesting because it would, I, it would be a nicer... I, I let's say like main antagonist to have than say Ralphie who like Ralphie was always a dickhead <laughs> and then like oh he eventually had to get killed and yeah. like with this it's more like they are great friends and and the dynamics in this season have been really interesting already I I suppose I can't imagine a world where we get all of this and in the end like I mean, say if if the New York people were arrested before all of this, maybe Tony B could have come back or whatever, or started up his own little crew, and like the antagonism can build from there. It would. I mean, it's certainly a more three dimensional conflict than having Ralphie in there. So I see what they're saying. Yeah. Also, killing him made perfect sense. Yeah. Oh, let me correct myself. It was actually Drea De Matteo who played uh, Adriana uh, on the commentary. Mm. Mentioned that it was the commentary for the previous episode, Long Term Parking. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, so then we have a great scene where uh, Chris's mother, who I feel this is like the third actress to play his mom. Uh, maybe it's only really? the second. It might be only the second. She might have been the same one from season four, but it's definitely a different one in season three when Chris is in the hospital. And I just noticed it now as I'm skimming through the scene because Phil has that great line where he goes, I'll take that disc man and shove it up your box. But she has a boom box. She doesn't have a disc man. She has like this little radio. <laughs> like I just assumed she had a disc man from the line. But rewatching it real quick here, she's holding a little boom box that I assume she's bringing to work. <laughs> and he calls it a disc man, yeah. which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and even more uh, painful. And the guy who's with him, uh, I don't know who that is, but he's like, Phil, come on. It's his mother. Like, it's the guy's mother. Like, we don't need to do this. But um, 
this is enough for Christopher, who is in fact right there, uh, to go. Ah, better, better hide out. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think he, he calls her a cunt as well. And we do oh, hear yeah. Tony call uh, Adriana a cunt uh, later in this episode. So, you know, uh, very misogynist, if you ask me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then we have Carmela and Tony. You know, Tony's back in the house. He's fixing a leak under the floor or something or other. Or he's caulking a, a leak. They uh, AJ's on the phone being annoying. Uh, you know, Tony says he was supposed to fix this when I was still at my mother's. Uh, I do love when he says mother. Uh, and, you know, they start talking about the the spec house. We get to see Salvitro again. Salvitro is one of the greatest running gags on Sopranos is that every now and then you'll see Sal and his son uh, have to clean their their yards. And it's not the last time we see Sal in this episode. Uh, and they even they have like a shitty comment of like, oh, poverty. What a great motivator. Meanwhile, if you remember correctly, Sal's son was doing well in college and had to be pulled out of school because of, you know, not specifically Tony, but was like because of Polly and the whole thing with uh, Phil Leotardo and then Johnny Sack yeah. and all that. Oh, yeah, that's a great call out. <laughs> You're right. Um, and then, yeah, her, her dad shows up. There's the plans and, and, and all that. Um, so, yes, we let me see. Uh, yes, we move on and we get to see uh, Christopher. Uh, sorry, a, 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 um, Carmilla calls Christopher and is looking for Adriana, right? Yes. So that's got to be awkward, right? Yeah. I mean, even if, <laughs> even if you just broke up, it's already awkward. Uh, but then when you murder the partner, it's like, huh, uh, you know? Yeah. Relatable. Am yeah. I right? Yeah, and yeah. you can kind of see it all in his face, too. I, I really like the way he plays this, like, because he kind of has to, you know, spin this tale. Like, oh, she took off, you know, left me, you know, with the club, didn't show up for work, packed up her stuff. And then, you know, Carmilla's like, oh, my God, because, you know, they were in the process of <laughs> planning a wedding. Uh, and yeah. I do believe that Chris is in the process of, like, kind of grabbing, I guess, some of his stuff, like watches and stuff, but also her jewelry. Because he's about to try to fence it because he's got to lamb it. Because I guess the eye for the eye without Tony B around, Chris is kind of the most logical target. Um, Now, what what do you read? Do you read anything here? Like, I mean, I guess Carmilla doesn't kind of pick up that something's up here. Or or what do you think? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so at all. Uh, Because it's uh, like it's shocking for us, the audience, who've seen the whole thing like even we or well i speak for myself but even i was like he he might take her up on the offer to like go into hiding in this extreme situation that was the bond they had and there's a lot of leaps he would have to make like yeah she was an fbi informant mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. all she wouldn't know any of that so i don't think she there's there's any of that in her um maybe she I, I don't see it i could see that she might go like i don't think it played out the way he says it played out maybe he if she would even think that oh he he's done some drugs again and, and beat her up and she left because of that rather than just running off but uh yes because to be fair this isn't the first time i believe the wedding's been off and especially with chris and adriana i do yeah, like yeah. they do i think when he tells her they do a small like camera push in on carmilla like for a reaction it's like a small move, but I really, I really like it. Uh, it kind of just, you know, puts a nice uh, exclamation on the moment. Um, yeah. 
And yeah, you know, Chris like clearly just wants to get out of this conversation and get off the phone. Uh, cause I think he just says something like, oh yeah, people are waiting for me because it's like, yeah, like you said, it's awkward already. Uh, never mind having to think about that. Uh, she's like in a hole somewhere dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so we move on to a section here where the, the captain who's an FBI informant, uh, do you have his name at hand? Uh, yeah. Raymond. Cause yeah. Raymond. Cause then, cause then like right after it's his birthday party. Yeah, <laughs> but that is that. That's not the guy who is told, uh, who we're told flipped at the end of the episode, right? That's someone over in New York who put because they're putting New York away. Yeah, Jimmy right. Petrillo. I had to look that up. He's actually the guy that called Tony and is like told him that the war was over. Yeah, because I wasn't. I thought about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't because I was like, oh, have we seen Jimmy Petrillo? Because I mean, obviously, I didn't know like just by the name who they were talking about. But yeah, he's the guy that called Tony. He's like, oh, that thing with our friends over there. You know, uh, the, the, the he gave up or whatever. It, it's that guy. Interesting. Yeah, so he was the concierge, concierge yeah. as well there for Johnny. So that's uh, it's a big up guy. Um, well, yes. And I like that they have to ask, like the feds have to ask Raymond, like, oh, did she get clipped? But they can't quite tell him why. Because, I mean, yeah. obviously they're like, oh, she was working for us too. Uh, they found out and killed her. Like because it'd just be a, like a stark reminder of what you're doing, Raymond, and, you know, the yeah. consequences that can happen. And I like how he's like, ah, you know, the kid, uh, he's a junkie or whatever. Did I give you that? Like, it's, uh, like he's already <laughs> trying to cycle through all the dirt that he's given on his, uh, you know, his family, his family and friends. Yeah. And it's uh, it's polite of them not to bring up how uh, he might get murdered. How is, how is he supposed to enjoy his birthday party? <laughs> yeah. Um, because that is, like you said, what we move into. They have some nice speeches. Tony's late, so you know, uh, you know, we gotta start without him, and they do, and they get to have a little bit of chat there as well about what's going on because Johnny's gonna put the squeeze on him, and uh, this is where Silvio picks up some of the uh, attrition in the ranks and so forth. Yeah, and Tony kind of walks in right as Vito's making a comment. Uh, I think it's something like. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll die for like a cause, but this is bullshit. And then, and then they're like, "Oh, here he is!" Like, and Vito even has to make a fucking face, like, "Uh oh, did he hear what I was saying?" Uh, he makes like the emoji face with the grimace, <laughs> like with the yeah, teeth. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he says, "All due respect, I'm willing to die for a cause, oh, and yes. this is bullshit." So, got a bit of a title drop there. Tony comes in with some uh, nice drink, uh, some soprano wine or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess from Avellino. It's uh, yeah, that's the that's where his family's from. That's where the sopranos reign, and yeah, it's some soprano wine. Hmm. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> Vito's like that's gonna be a treasure uh, <laughs> as to make up for his previous uh, <laughs> shit talking I guess um, yeah so uh, what else happens in this scene Jim well we have I mean there's a quick shot where he's talking to Larry Boy and and I don't know if this is the first time it can't be the first time we've seen Larry Boy since like the first season but we've we've seen Larry Boy before because he's one of the guys that got arrested with Junior when Junior got indicted in season one, which like saved his life. Yeah. And uh, the guy that repeats stuff, uh, like he mentioned how Larry Boy had some work done and he's just staring in the mirror. Like, I, I don't know. Larry Boy's been like a recurring character, but I like that there's this moment where he's talking about like, ah, house arrest, you know, check, take a look at these balls. 
But as we see mm-hmm. later on, he doesn't show up for his godson in the hospital because it's like, well, I'll say I'll tell the feds to go fuck themselves, but I'm not putting my ass on the line uh, with New York. Uh, and I like that one of the recurring things throughout the episode is that everyone's kind of annoyed that they're in danger, but everyone also likes to think they're the most in danger. Like people have con- like Bobby's like, I'm his brother-in-law for Christ's sakes. Like I'm the closest to him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or it's like, you know, I used to drive for him or I did this. Uh, but then, yeah, besides that, Tony makes, you know, uh, a, a kind of a speech to try to, you know, keep the soldiers in line about how I would do this for any of you as well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there'd be torture involved and, you know, trying to put a good face on what's going on and explaining that Chris is going to lam it. Uh, But it's not quite really working with everybody. Uh, Yeah, I guess guess it's a good opportunity because they're all they're all there together. So it's a good chance for him to. You know, reset like this is say say his piece um, that you know this is I would offer the protection to any of you like you know, like you said and like yeah you know I'm talking torture here they do some bad stuff to this guy like no one gives a shit yeah They're no one like cares. no one really likes <laughs> likes Tony that much anyway I feel at this point when you go off and do something stupid like this it's like. It's it's clear favoritism. Christopher can't be the only one who's sort of sensing that. So and it's about him not wanting to eat shit as well. So and he gets to have some great great lines like about um, says financially wise and so on. We're gonna take care <laughs> until and as such. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is a kind which of is... reminiscent of uh, his letter to Melfi that time where he's apologizing. Yes. You know, yes. when you were not very respecting to myself in relation to oneself, like when he was kind of doing that <laughs> shit. <laughs> yes, love that stuff. And, and then he uh, has to leave. Yeah, and I guess we see that he just goes home. Um, so this is kind of like what, he's, what he talks to Sylvia about later on, like how you're at the top and in the end you're alone. But, mm. also, but also he's purposely doing that. Now, is it... Is he doing it to protect himself or is he doing it? I mean, like, I guess protect himself from having to like if he has to sit there and like eat dinner and celebrate with them. Is it more like in his face that he's making a bad decision or does he purposely have to just be away from it because he's the boss? Uh, I think mostly column A because even though he's the boss, like you don't necessarily want to go out partying with your boss all the yeah. time. But this is, but this is different because everyone's always trying to suck up to Tony anyway. Like if you get to have dinner with uh, Tony at Vesuvio's, just you and your wife and and him and Carmilla, that's like that means you're in the inner circle. So of course people want him there at the party and they want to talk to him and everything. But like you said, if he has to like. He says his piece and then leaves because what I think he knows what he's saying is bullshit and like keeping up that facade for too long would be kind of stressful and he doesn't know what he's going to do and he would be sort of pulled this way and that by their influence. So yeah, he just says, fuck it. I don't, he doesn't want to think about it too much, I think. Yeah. Uh, so he just goes home. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and then when he's with Carmela, she's still looking at her spec house stuff, but she does bring up the night that uh, Adriana was there for movie night and she kind of ran off in a huff uh, and thinks, oh, maybe she was seeing someone else. Uh, And then Tony says, you know, ah, these 
you know, these kids, they keep it all inside. They keep it all bottled up. And then they wonder why they turn to chemical dependencies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. There's more about the house and that because he's watching a, a World, World War Two documentary, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. He's watching a documentary on Erwin uh, Rommel. I guess he's a German general. I guess he was also in World War One. Uh, but yes, also in World War Two. Uh, he's popular known as the Desert Fox. He's a field marshal. Uh, I mean, it's pretty on the nose yeah. lines where he's like, his plans were often startling, spontaneous, and yeah. uh, not infrequently obscure. His <laughs> men idolized him and had boundless faith in him. <laughs> and like later we get the stuff about him being a general, like you heard in the intro there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a through line. Although I, I think another interesting thing is that like, because Carmela picks up on that when she goes to sit with Tony, he does clearly want to be alone. But then, yeah. you know, later, like, that's kind of the thing when he talks to Silvio. Like, he's acting like he doesn't like that. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he, he does want to be alone. He wants to sit there and watch history and hear about generals. Yes. And then I true. think, and then we have, what, Carmela uh, cozying up uh, in bed with her blueprints. <laughs> yes. And looking at, like, uh, his and her rooms or something, it says. So, yeah. like... Yeah, oh, it's his and hers dressing room. So uh, she's fantasizing, I guess, about the big closet that they're going to have. But I don't know. There's something about that as well and, like, the separation and then the, the man and the woman of the household and how things should be. That's It's a bit unclear. They, they also say on the TV, oh, this general, oh, he had a sixth sense sizing up any situation. And Tony's there, like, staring at it, like fuck i don't know what the fuck well, i'm doing well it's funny with that because it reminded me of remember when he was trying to uh scope out that uh selectman or whatever it was that he was visiting because again he yeah. was like i got a sixth sense you know i'll figure this out and then he comes back he's like what the fuck do i know uh, i don't know <laughs> i can't read anything from it <laughs> yes that was great um uh speaking of great we do get to see christopher in his undercover outfit with sunglasses and a sun hat a big jacket. Um, Silvio meets up with him to to give him some money because that's Tony did mention that in his speech. We're gonna take care of uh, Christopher because he's my boy. And uh, we also get to see this guy who's driving uh, Christopher around, I guess, or something. Uh, yeah, Benny. Yeah, who or at least he's there now. Christopher is still going off. Like I'll give it. I'll cut him some slack. Like like we've said recently, he he does have some points in his rambling and arguing. But and and Silvio, I think, interestingly uh, agrees with what Christopher is saying. But he's still like, after everything Tony's done for you, I gotta tell you to shut the fuck up or whatever he says. You know? Yeah, because the thing with because Chris, he can complain about Tony B, but. Even if, if Tony B's getting favoritism, Chris is, like, next in line. And he doesn't understand yeah. that because he's too busy worrying about how Tony B's getting stuff over him. He's not seeing all the stuff he gets over other people as well. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I like Silvio kind of has to put him in his place a bit here. I mean, Silvio's whole thing through this episode is very interesting because, it, you know, we, we see a lot of his, sm like, silent reactions to what's going on. I, I mean, we we definitely get a we can glean that he's kind of in agreement and he does understand and kind of wants to give Tony some good advice. But I like that he's he's never outwardly joining in or like even making comments because he's still kind of like a soldier, I guess. He's still yeah. he's still with Tony regardless. Um, yes. 
And, one, and I think because he's he's like closer to Tony than anyone else in a weird way. It, yeah. it always makes me think of there's two two things with Silvio that I always come back to, which is a that fucking Columbus Day episode was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, like I always think of that, and I'm like that should have been Polly would made it would have made so much sense if that was Polly. Yeah, and then I also think of obviously the part where he kind of acted against Tony just to prove a point, just to kind of show like, hey, I'm still. I'm not I'm not you, I'm a separate individual and you gotta respect me because I have enormous respect for you. So let's bear that in mind, okay, Tony? And I think of that in these types of scenes when he's like sitting down with Tony and talking about what he really thinks and, and stuff, because that's the next scene. Tony's still in um the back room there of the Bing and Well, before I, we move on, I mean this is yeah. such a whatever tidbit, but I do have to bring it up. For the people that watch Doogie Hauser um, Benny, the driver, it was Vinny. I mean, I don't think we've brought it up before, but he was Vinny Del Pino on Doogie Hauser, who was Doogie Hauser's very good friend throughout the run of Doogie Hauser. So it just needs to be called out. I don't think we've mentioned it yet. So mentioning it now. Cool. Never watched it. Um, that's with Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. When he was the boy genius who was a doctor. 97 episodes, huh? I guess we got something to do after Cut to Black, after <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah. Is this a comedy show? Or <laughs> no? It, yeah, it's yeah. It was, it was kind of like a dramedy, I guess. It was like... I, I was very young when I watched it, so I barely remember it. But I do remember his friend, uh, who was played by Benny. Because for the longest time watching Sopranos, I was always like, where do I know this guy from? Yeah. And I knew him from Dickie okay, Houser. You know, Neil, Neil Patrick Harris, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I do need to watch this. Um, but anyway, I'm sure yeah. I'll go like, where do I know this guy from? And it will be from I, The Sopranos. I didn't um, mean to cut you off just for that tidbit, but I couldn't help it. It's a, it's a good tidbit. Um, Silvio does hang around the Bing at, because he wants to talk about this whole thing. He has some bullshit excuse, but then he goes, actually, I've been meaning to talk to you. And Tony's like... Okay, just spit it out, and and he's like, I've been your uh, by your side for many years. And Tony's like, just don't beat around the bush. Just say what you're yeah. thinking. And Sylvia goes into the whole thing that there are unhappy soldiers out there. They'll definitely do what you order, but like they're not happy, and you don't like that. And um, Tony infers that it's Polly. I guess Polly's not happy, but like no one's happy. I wouldn't single yeah. him out, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think it's just because Silvio makes the comment of like people that worked for your father. Yeah, uh, like before is the that, beginning. Is that Silvio being like and maneuvering, sort of wanting to be like closer than Polly, or like what's going on there? Is it just true? Or I get, I mean, because I guess Polly has kind of a comment at I think at the dinner at, at Ray's party, but I don't think it's anything more egregious than what other people were saying. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he does definitely kind of point it to, to Polly. He he does hit him with an all due respect, right? Because then Tony hits him with an all due respect back <laughs> when he responds. Yeah, yeah I think uh, so. But yeah, uh, I, yes. I, it's hard to say. I don't know if he's like purposely trying to like maneuver him towards Polly. I think he. I think Silvio really was just trying to um emphasize yeah emphasize that it's not just like it's probably normal for young bucks to kind of talk some shit every now and then but nothing's going to come out of it he's just trying to let them know that like you know even captains and stuff like that are are getting a little upset and a little antsy with what's going on yes and he this is what like we talked about this at the start that he talks about you know uh seven deadly sins yours is pride you don't want to eat shit from johnny and that it's kind of what you should have done, is what he's saying. Um, 
I I don't think he says that, but but says it. But my thinking here is that like Tony, you should have you should do something. You can't yeah. do nothing if you're gonna kill Tony yourself. Go kill him. If, yeah. Like you're gonna I don't know spirit him away to somewhere else. That would be a bad move. But you should just do it then. But he's he is in this limbo, and I think that more than anything undermines him as a leader because it seems like to to the outside that he's indecisive or just kind of hasn't got the balls as that guy who Hmm. went from you know fbi house arrest he doesn't have the balls to do whatever he wants and if he wants to go like ah fuck it uh you know johnny's taking our shares and this and that i'm gonna you know let's do this then maybe that would be more respected but it's because it's like he he's not doing anything um people wouldn't love it but like it's it's putting everyone in a passive type of danger it's like a, a middle ground where everyone feels uh in uh, indecisive and unsafe and and that's what sylvia wants to highlight tony hits him with a good old it's lonely at the top like we mentioned though yeah in the end you're completely alone with it all and i guess tying into that because that's that was almost the the clip i used to start it but i like the clip with paulie so uh so much but i i guess it, it ties in with his problem with authority because since tony has been the boss and now it's like he, you know, he wants to be an equal with Johnny Sack. He doesn't want to be a glorified crew like Carmine thinks about New Jersey families or the Soprano family. They're a glorified crew where he, he doesn't want it to be that he's taking orders or whatever. And I guess in the end, it does work out to his favor where things seem to go back to a more copacetic feeling and uh, like him and Johnny do kind of bond over that idea of like, Oh, people all want to be the boss. If they only knew, if you only understood. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think this is an interesting back and forth and he's still like, Tony's doing that thing. It's very reminiscent of like, remember back with, uh, the whole Ralphie situation, the initial tensions and, you know, he didn't have a drink with him or whatever. And I remember we were like, Tony, just do a st- like a small thing yeah. so you're not like making worse waves. And it feels like the way he treats Silvio here, and even yeah. to an extent Pauly later, it feels like he's making things worse because, I guess, his pride. Because, like, you know, Silvio, like, asks him, like, like oh, need anything else? And he just, like, blows smoke at him. Like, ah, yeah. fuck you. I'm Tony Soprano. Eat shit. <laughs> yeah, that's really uh, bad. And the way they edit it, it's, like, a really quick clip of him, like, blowing the smoke and that. Yeah. And it's really disrespectful. And um, I think it... I don't remember the exact lines and such from before, but it does tie in with before when, when Silvio made his little move just to remind Tony that he's there. Because it's... Here he's, like... Uh, Tony says this thing about how it's lonely at the top and Sylvia goes like I'm sorry you feel that way because the whole point of him is that he's supposed to be his ally there like obviously underneath him but they're together and he's like no 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 I'm not even like if he could just be a little bit human towards (laughs) Silvio at least I think that would benefit him in the long run yeah absolutely Uh, then what we have Benny's at the crazy horse uh, eating like steak or something girls are just giving him ketchup uh, <laughs> I thought it was but, weird. Hey, that, this is the fucking life, Jim. This <laughs> yeah. is what you want. Yeah, girls are giving them ketchup. And it's like, <laughs> well, this is how you know you're a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you put ketchup <laughs> on your steak and no one bats an eye. Um, and then and uh, I, one, thing I, one thought I had was like, Adriana's gone. The music is changed. Like, I know they were always <laughs> eclectic, but yeah. it's like some like metal 
and it doesn't feel like uh, what she would have put on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They like, as soon as she's away, they're like, finally, we can play. We can play some heavier stuff. Yeah, uh, there's none of that false metal anymore. <laughs> now, uh, cats away. The metalheads will play. And yeah, Phil's still looking for blood, and he sees guy a guy that would drive for Tony, and you know he's looking for Chris, and he is kind of on the right path because we did see he was just with Chris earlier. Um, and I like how this kind of plays out because he kind of almost gets away, but he puts it in drive instead of reverse. And then he's kind of got his hand, uh, uh, on the transmission or whatever. And he's like almost about to get it, but they pull him away and Phil just starts beating the shit out of him with his cane, cracks his skull open, I guess. Uh, and then, you know, we cut to him at the hospital. Yep, exactly. Uh, we cut to Tony arriving at the hospital and, I assume there was massive shit talking before he arrived, and and after uh, we do get to see after, um, he has a fractured skull. So you know that's, that's and, not great. And yeah, Tony you, as. Oh, okay. sorry, I was just gonna say Tony as always is like this is gonna be handled. <laughs> yeah. I'm paying for this through this union. Yeah. Don't worry about a thing. And it's like, yeah, cool. It still happened <laughs> because of you. And to your point before, like if he was just doing something, because um, I'm spacing on the other guy's name, but uh, he just makes a comment like, "I want that man to do something. I want to. We we should go over and start fucking cracking skulls. Like, at the very least, if they're gonna go to war, they are ready to go to war. Um, yeah. But then I think Vito says something like, "Oh, if he does that, then we should fucking take Tony out. Like, because." You know, he's kind of more on the side of, like, uh, Tony B did a shitty thing, so let's just have Tony B take the fucking bl- uh, the the brunt of what's going on here, not us. Yes. Uh, this is where having two Tonys gets a little confusing. I had to, like, rewatch what, what mm-hmm. Vita was saying because, yes, so this guy's, like, he, he wants to go over to Brooklyn to clean oh, yeah, some that, fucking timepieces. Uh, that's Eugene, by the way. I looked it up real quick. Okay. But, yeah. Yes. And so Vito says, Tony Blundetta whacked the brother of a captain, and he says, Tony tried to strike at them again. We should take him out. And I'm like, those sentences are confusing out of context. Hmm. I'm like, which Tony? Because Tony tried to strike at them again. Tony Blunt, Tony Soprano? What? We should take him out. You want to take Tony Soprano out? Like, if I was the third guy in the room, I'd be like, boss, this guy is saying we should kill you. Because <laughs> he's saying, like, Tony tried to strike at them again. We should take him out. I'm like, is he plotting rebellion? Like, I had to rewatch it. But, yeah, he's saying that they should just, like you said, let Blondetto take the fall. Yeah, but, no, I also do read it as he's saying if Tony was sending them to war, then they should take Tony Soprano out. I, I do read that that's what he's saying. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. I don't know. It is confusing. Yeah. Tony tried to strike at them again. Yeah. Because but- technically, even though Tony didn't sanction Tony B killing Billy, because th- that's even the other one, Philly and Billy. Like, <laughs> Yes, that's right. <laughs> and then you got uh, Big Pussy, Little Pussy. You know, it's all over the place. Uh, but I, I, I'm reading it as even though Tony didn't sanction it, it's still thought of as something from their family. So then if yeah. they went at them again, it would be like uh, Tony Soprano is not fit to lead. We need to take him out. Yeah. Okay. Wait, take Tony B out or Tony, Tony Soprano? Uh, Tony S. Who's on first though? <laughs> um, so Tony Soprano goes to see Junior, who I have not seen in 10,000 years. Yeah, it seems and, like forever. 
Yeah. And his senility and all of that, it's like uh, something we dip in and out of, uh, along with Tony's relationship with him, because it's not been central, obviously. I Last thing I remember from him is him calling Tony B. Tony Egg, which is what I keep doing <laughs> uh, in his honor. Um, but yeah, he seems fairly with it in this scene. Tony is... Tony must be desperate, because he's, like, going to Junior for advice. Because, like... You have you have Silvio. He already gave you his advice. You told him to fuck off. So now I'm going to go talk to Junior, see if someone will tell me what I want to hear, basically. But also, I kind of read it a little differently because I feel like we've seen him do this before and we've seen yeah. Junior give him good advice. Um, so, like, I read it at... Well, like, I mean, I guess he is kind of desperate either way, but... It was kind of like his next step. Like, okay, I'm going to go talk to Junior. And we've seen in the past, maybe not always to Tony, but the way Junior sized up uh, Richie and how, yeah. you know, he couldn't sell it and people don't respect him. And I kind of love how this plays out because it feels like he's almost going to do it. Like, he keeps almost getting to some good advice and then he he just can't. Like, I feel like it's a better representation of kind of his deterioration that we've seen where he's there, but he's not there. And then I think he even calls uh, he calls Billy, like, Phil's son instead of his brother, which, you know, we as the audience, I think we've confused that before as well, but either way. Yeah. And then he's like, tell Phil. And then he stops. And it's like, tell Phil what? Uh, and he's like, uh, he wasn't made, was he? And you think, okay, Junior's got it together now, and he's going to give Tony the advice he needs, but it never comes to fruition and then it ends with Tony reminding him to make sure he eats lunch because <laughs> he's, he's kind of that yeah. like, all right, this guy's done. Yeah, there's, there's a, a couple of steps there. Tony is like, but with this and that, I mean, um, Junior throws out the interesting line there. Oh, he wasn't made, was he? And I think uh, first I was like, he's talking about Tony B. And I was like, well, Tony B went away pretty young. Maybe he wasn't a made man, you know? And it almost seems like Tony's thinking about that. And then he's like, Phil's son, the kid, you know? Yeah. And that leads to the whole please have lunch thing. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he's also trying to send fruits, a fruit basket to someone who had a stroke, which is like potentially good for his retrial or something. So, well, it was yeah. his lawyer. His lawyer we've seen in the past, his lawyer had a stroke and mm -hmm. he can't quite communicate. And the, it's going to take like nine months to a year for him to take his full caseload back on. So his retrial gets, uh, is getting postponed. And I love yeah. it because then Junior has the line of like, so I'm wondering if I should wait this out and then maybe get a lawyer who's more withered. <laughs> like <laughs> that's the new plan now. Like just keep getting more decrepit old lawyers and hope that it keeps pushing his trial back. That's actually great because I did only realize now I, I heard him say like more with it, like a lawyer who's more like, you know, who's better. But that is so much funnier. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, and it's kind of it's it's sad because you can see like kind of the confusion and the frustration on Junior's face. But then it's kind of sad that Tony's getting mad at him for it. And it's not yeah. like his fault. Uh, yeah. But he's also, I mean, he's mad, but he's also kind of sympathetic because he tells him to eat a lunch. Um, yes. Then we got uh, Larry Boy and I forget this other guy's name, but they're talking about the, the provolone. That stuff's like liquid gold and that that shipment's been diverted. So that's kind of another casualty of this New York tensions. Um, provolone is cheese though, right? So yeah. it's not 
liquids necessarily. Yeah, no, no, yeah, it's cheese, provolone cheese. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, but they're talking then about uh, like favoritism and like they want they want Tony B taken out, and then it's mentioned that uh, yeah, Anthony Soprano is really adroit at keeping his family out of the frying pan, like his cousins and anyone else. He doesn't give a shit about, and that's the impression they get. Because like you said, Christopher is next in line as far as favoritism. Yeah, and it's funny because Larry Boy is at this diner or wherever they're at, but he was too afraid to go to the hospital when uh, Benny was there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, to tie up the season uh, with the psychology arc, we do get a scene with Melfi here um, where uh, she expresses some frustration. I mean, there's more happening in this scene, but she expresses some frustration over being back at square one with him with like having these breakthroughs and then he's just kind of you know he, he just doesn't want to continue dealing with the same problems um so yeah she 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 gives him gives out a bit about that and um and she's yeah. kind of like get she gets like snarky about it which i thought was kind of yeah. interesting and she's like oh but you can't talk about it like i mean i guess that's to maybe try to push him more but but also like you kind of know the deal at this point melfi and it's like, do you want to hear uh, that he's deciding how to kill his cousin? Like, do you really want to hear this story? Um, yeah. But yeah, like I like it kind of leads in first. He's talking about AJ dealing with AJ's coach and maybe, you know, some other kid is, is getting more more playtime or something like that. And she kind of ties it in like you wanted to hear that your son was special um, like you or something like that. Uh, yeah, because he mentions the dream, the recurring dream yes. he's had with his yeah, coach. That's right. So, yeah, and that uh, what, she's like, "You never told me this." Like, what? Everything I bring in here has got to be a d- dead dog or whatever he says. I'm like, yeah. is that an expression? I guess. <laughs> but in the end of the scene, he does say that like all my choices were wrong, <laughs> which is kind yeah. of sad, but yeah. uh, true. Uh, then we see what AJ's party. Oh yeah, this is interesting. Um, AJ in like a Tony Soprano style jacket, uh, walking around, making moves. They're handing out these cups for five bucks. If you get uh, infinite beer for five bucks, I mean that's a that's a good deal, right? Yeah, I mean that's not a bad deal. And I mean, I guess whatever their expenses were, if they're just buying some kegs, you get enough people. Uh, I mean, I guess it's mutually beneficial for the people at the party and for just, yeah, $5 all you can drink. Maybe event planning is his forte. I mean, I hear it's gay, but <laughs> yeah. I feel like he could, he could pull it off. Did you see who's in this scene, though? No, who's in this scene? Uh, Mr. Maisel himself is one of the guys that sneaks in his own cup. Oh, uh, from Joel. the marvelous Mrs. Maisel or yes. Maisel Men? Our podcast discussing yeah. the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes, that's so, wait, Joel. So. Joel Maisel is the guy that they're like, you know, hey, where'd you get those cups? And he kind of gets in the scuffle with AJ's friend. If oh. you got the scene up, uh, take a peek at it real quick. So he's he's uh, uh, he's AJ's backup, basically. No, he's, no, he's he's, he's the one that they're confronting. Okay, that's what I thought, because yeah. neither of them look that much like adults, uh, Mr. Maisel. <laughs> but yeah, wow, that's uh, 
that's a face. That's that's him, all right. Yeah. Uh, this is a great show, by the way. I, I believe we have mentioned it on Cut to Black yeah. before, but don't let the name fool you. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is a fantastic show, and you should all watch it and listen to Maisel Man, our podcast on the topic. And I do like that actor, and it's funny that he just gets this quick little scene where then they, it's like a hilarious like non-fight that they have. Yes. Because it's just the old like, headlock, headlock, rustle, scuffle around. like <laughs> Nothing's really happening. Uh, I like AJ's reaction as well. Where he's yeah. first like, oh, and then he's like, yeah. <laughs> and like everyone's kind of, well, come on. And then they're like, uh, just laughing, clapping, that sort of thing. Uh, oh, and then we have Tony at the Bing, and he does kind of what he what he was doing to um, Charmaine. Uh, he gives Johnny an old call, and he just can't say anything. He just sits there on the line like a jilted lover, and then. <laughs> Hangs up and and what Tony B did to him as yes. well. There's a lot of this telephone yeah. game uh, going around because he does call him to give up um, uh, to to give up Tony. Right, that's the purpose. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Or basically, kind of extend some olive branch, figure out some resolution here, but he can't. I guess he still can't just make the decision. Uh, but it mm. does take going to visit Polly uh, in a in. You know, I guess serendipity stri- uh, strikes where we see a payoff to this painting. Did you ever think you'd see this painting again? No, I was going to say I did not <laughs> think this would be like a big motivator for Tony. And especially because the conversation is so, I mean, it's comedic, obviously, but it's like such a, a, a weird side thing from everything else going on. It does get us to a point where it, you know it makes sense that it's included but still it is pretty uh different you you like the scene i assume because you did cut it for the intro i do like it and i like feel bad for paulie when he says you know you don't come around here no more um yeah it's just looking at the ground yeah all kinda, sad. <laughs> and i do believe tony where it is just like a thing i mean it, it's his whole thing like he's talking about he's the boss he can't We've seen we've seen the progression of this even back when he was talking about how Christopher was supposed to be his heir apparent and like his main uh, communication to everyone. Like he has to isolate yeah. himself for protection, um, but you know that has effects. And you know, uh, Polly and Tony, I guess, used to be more chummy. I mean, I, we'd probably seen it more in the earlier seasons. And you know, I don't think that he was. Uh, mocking Tony with this painting. I mean, obviously he wasn't. He put some money in it. I do think Tony Tony hits the nail on the head where it's like, yeah, you knew it was expensive, and that was kind of the the initial thing when he saves it from the fire. You know how much a yeah. piece like this costs. <laughs> but it's also interesting because uh, he obviously Polly has a, a weird relationship with this painting. I mean, the ending of it is like Tony staring out like over his shoulder, like still he he didn't get it retouched because there was fire damage. He did it because he didn't want a picture of Tony in there. That's true. And that is still weirdly ambiguous why that was. It just sort of unnerved him having Tony's presence there. But he could have easily had the face redone. But then instead, it he maybe that was more expensive. <laughs> but he just had like <laughs> turned him into. A general, as he explains, and it's such an absurd thing to do that Tony is appropriately nonplussed and like, what? No, but, but why? You know how much this horse upsets me. But even that is like, it is such a weird thing. Like, it's clearly not about the horse. Like, he, he does hit the nail on the head with it being worth money, but it's also like, it's not like he sold it. You know, he yeah. just likes having it there, and it's uh, it is weird. Well, and I like how they're kind of talking about the painting like they're not sure it's Tony, which I think is weird because 
Paulie's like, yeah, initially I touched it up to because there were fire damage around the guy's feet. Like he doesn't say like your feet or just the feet in the picture. And then when when Tony's like, what general? Who? And he's like, it's you. And he's almost saying it in this weird like, D- don't you see the resemblance? And it's like, yeah, we know. We know it's you. But I mean, obviously, it's to emphasize that like Tony's coming to grips with he has to be a general to his soldiers and make a decision. Uh, but he still takes it, which I even felt more bad for Pauly because I feel like he did love that painting. And then Tony yeah. takes it off his wall. Yeah, I I thought the scene could end either way. I thought I thought this would be the moment when he's like, oh, "General, I gotta be like a general," like you said. But no, of course he has to ha- make the interaction worse with one of his top guys first <laughs> yeah. by grabbing it, going, "What the fuck? Yeah. Fuck you!" and whatever. And he goes out, puts it in the trash. That's when he has the moment of like, uh, "Yeah." Because I first when he grabs it, I was like, "This scene didn't really pay off." Like it felt like the scene wasn't appropriately finished and it immediately tags with this add-on that i feel is part of the same scene when he uh, shoves it in the trash looks at it and has that moment of like oh shit i have to be a general in the silliest way possible and he steps on some eggs well i was gonna say yes uh, i was just about to ask you well you you let out an important detail about the eggs Uh yeah it's tony it's tony eggs yeah that's uh well do you remember uh, though it pays off but do you remember what we talked about in the past? The theories that the eggs, how the eggs are very important to the Sopranos. I don't care about that theory. <laughs> All I care about is Tony Egg, and uh, he is no more. The eggs get destroyed as he steps on them. It well, has nothing to do with this overarching, like, oh, Ralphie had an egg or whatever the fuck. I don't care. Yep, Ralph's making only, eggs. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It only has to do with Tony Egg because it's was, in the name. What was Valentina making before she lit herself on fire? Egg beaters. Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Jim. <laughs> was her name Valentina Egg? Because I don't think so. <laughs> this is the this is the uh, only theory I've made. Well, here. Bobby's making eggs. Junior mistakenly calls Tony B Tony Egg immediately before re- receiving the call that Carmine's dead. Mm. Ralph's making eggs when Tony comes over. Junior, uh, when Tony and Junior are discussing putting a hit. Uh, uh, wait, hold on. I don't. I don't want to say at- this one because I don't know if that's a different one. Don't read. Are these. you at okay? Are you at Reddit r slash egg theory? <laughs> yeah, the recurring symbols eggs. <laughs> Richie yeah, offers I to get, make Tony eggs. Mm, I'm joking. Obviously, it's a thing here. Uh, I think we we did talk about it before, like you said. But it's 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 more questionable in the other ones. It's definitely a thing here. I don't know that it's like for all of them. It feels like. Kind of a simple thing to do, but then it does work. Uh, I've just been yeah. obsessed with Tony Eggs, so this is for me personally <laughs> this is a, a big perfect victory. payoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's chickens there on the farm as well when he when when Tony Tony <laughs> B drives up there because that is basically what we head into the murder of Tony B Tony Egg. Um, so he he drives home with a shopping bag and drives into the barn slash garage and. Like, the way the camera moves in slowly, I'm like, he's getting killed in that garage. <laughs> like, he's killed in the barn. Um, but now he just walks out, um, and we move in to get a close-up of the gun he has to build some tension. And then Tony walks around the corner, shoots him in the fucking head. Yep. Yeah, shoots him in the head with a fucking shotgun. His body goes yeah. flying. And Flights, they do. You can see part of his face is kind of ripped off. Tony tosses the gun, and, you know, the deed is done. Yeah, and we get, like, we sort of hang on his dead face, hang on, no, no, Tony, uh, well, the two Tonys, it's a tale of two Tonys here going back and forth, 
But yeah, not too much emotion in this moment from Soprano. He tosses the gun, like you said, takes off his gloves. I thought when he tossed the gun there, he was like going to try to make it look like a suicide. But in that case, he couldn't really have the shopping bags. I don't think it really matters in the end, though, <laughs> yeah. no, because he does uh, tell Christopher later to go and bury him. But yeah, that's another one for the old counter. We're going to throw it up on the on the number there. We got him. Uh, so that's putting us at 53, right? Correct. 53 deaths and 16 walkouts still, showing us how he's definitely more stable now than at the very <laughs> beginning. Um, and then he calls and gives the address, and we do get to see... Uh, I mean, there's another scene in between, but or maybe there isn't. I don't know. Philly... Uh, yeah, Phil, no, just the he, scene yeah. where he calls. Uh, then, yeah, we just see Johnny get the news, and then, yeah, Phil shows up at the farm and finds the body. Yeah, and I in that shot, I was like, how did you not notice the corpse <laughs> as you were, like, walking? Like, <laughs> it seems like you would look around, maybe <laughs> to see, make sure there's no booby traps or something. I don't know. He's very confident. He doesn't even... He, he has maybe one guy for backup, but... But yeah, um, he's dead. We don't really get to see a reaction here. We just get to get told later on that um, that he's furious. You know, he's fuming. We don't see him for the rest of the episode at all, I think. Um, but Tony does arrive there uh, in the back room of the Bing. And um, how, how, how do you feel like the, the crew is reacting here? Because they got his coffee and his little his breakfast thing. Bialis, which I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard of Bialis before. It basically kind of looks like a bagel. It's it kind of like, like a, a type, type, of, type of bagel. Um, I mean, this scene's interesting because it's like he still doesn't like, he doesn't kind of say like, ah, I, I, don't worry, I'm handling it or anything like that. But we do kind of see they all leave him alone. Once again, you know, he's alone as the boss. Uh, just kind of eating his Bialis and drinking coffee. Um, mm. And it's hard Bialis to... Bialis is a, it's a, it's a Polish bread, apparently. Yeah. So. And, I mean, because yeah. Silvio's, like, loading up the safe, and then he just decides he's leaving. Uh, and that kind of everyone kind of follows suit after that. And I still... You I, know, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, they know he's dead, right? They know what happened to Tony B because the vibe feels so different, or am I wrong? I'm not sure. I mean, I guess he, I, I think that's that's not a bad read, but I I don't know. I can't I can't really gauge it personally. I feel like Phil is so furious. He's out there talking about how Tony fucked him over by by killing Tony before. And I what I was saying before it was I felt like the crew was mostly upset at him not doing anything. So even though on the other side with Phil, they might go like you know, fuck him, he didn't, he didn't uh, let me torture this guy. At least in the Soprano camp, there's no fucking favoritism for Tony B anymore, and he did act in a way in the interest of the family, the crew. True. So I read it as them going like... Because Sylvia even like pats him on the shoulder or whatever, and, and it's like, all right, see you later, Skip, anytime, whatever you need. Like, So I see it as like some regained respect there. You know what? I think you're right. I think that's a better read because I, I kind of wasn't really sure what to read on it, but I do think that's a better read, and it does make sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's left alone, and he's like there, just like you said, eating. I think we cut to same scene later, and he's reading the newspaper, and Johnny calls... And they talk about what to do. And he's in the doctor's office. And, like, that sounds like, 
if we only heard the conversation, it sounds like, oh, I can't meet you now. I'm at the doctor's office. Uh, let's meet later. But like, no, he, he definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's there. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's obvious here that Johnny is just annoyed at the situation. He's not really annoyed that Tony killed this guy. I don't think he cares, but it's like he has to manage Phil, who is like freaking out all over the place and, and stuff, and he doesn't want a war either. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he, he offers to meet in New York, and then Tony's like, ah, no offense. I got an IQ of 136. I've been tested. Uh, you know, he's not going to just go in to you know enemy territory then he wants to meet at johnny's house and then he's like what do you think i'm gonna i'm gonna i forget he uses some phrase and he's like you think i'm gonna do that with Ginny upstairs uh so they kind of decide on that he's gonna meet uh, the next morning at johnny's house i uh was the 136 iq was that actually uh john uh sorry was that actually blundetto's iq or something like that because he talked about how how much Ah. iq blundetto had right you know i think you're right because i was trying to remember where i think and because i believe that's the number they say too because i was trying to like that sounds familiar uh but yeah i I just i just checked it seems like tony blundetto was said to have a genius level iq of 158 Mm. um but tony he's he wasn't born yesterday either so you know uh, apparently he was also tested uh, for this IQ thing. And uh, yeah, like you said, they, they agreed to meet the next morning, which Tony is still sort of iffy on, but uh, it is a genuine offer from Johnny. Though I did think for a second there, as I think is intended towards the end, that they strike this deal and then he's going to kill uh, Tony because of Tony's reaction when he turns and runs before we see what he's running from, you know? Yes, yeah. Uh, before that, Tony goes to see Chris, who's still like, Hold up in a motel somewhere. Uh, he tells Chris he needs to go pick his cousin up at the farm. He should be ve- buried. He should be the one to do it. And then they kind of discuss the Adriana situation. Uh, Chris says something like, I-, I thought she loved me. And then Tony says she was a cunt. Um, you know, very cold. Yeah. Like, you know, I-, I-, I do think it's kind of like a front. Like, these are the things you have to tell yourself when you have to kill you know, your fiancé or your best friend since you were a kid. Like, you know, you have to kind of hold it together somehow. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so we we were kind of separated from Christopher when he was making this decision and when these things were happening. We kind of saw things around it because it was kept as a reveal that, you know, she was going to get killed. So we didn't see him, like, talk to Tony about it or anything. And as he says, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Um, I think it's interesting that he says, um, like, fucking, I thought she loved me, but she couldn't even do five years for me. Uh, Which is, you know, looking back, it is... um, obviously these these are the bad guys uh jim let's not uh beat around the bush we're watching bad guys here on a bad guy show yeah but like i can see that from his point of view the world he lives in i can see that still because i don't remember the exact spiel spiel they gave adriana when she was brought in and she with her dog and she threw up all over the table or i don't remember exactly what they said maybe they said like you could go away for 20 years but like Maybe with a good lawyer, you wouldn't go away for 20 years. Maybe you'd go away for a couple of years. Maybe you'd have your Orange is the New Black experience and then come on out. Because that's what, like, Tony B did, but for a lot more years. That's what people in this field do. That's the risk they run. And don't get me wrong, there are guys uh, that will just flip because they <laughs> that's what they'll do. We see it over and over, so you can't really blame her for that. But from Christopher's point of view, it is kind of like... He's been indoctrinated into this 
society within a society where there are these rules. And even though I could imagine him by a lake writing his memoirs with a fireplace, it's also like he would actually have to go against everything that he believes in. It's not like he could immediately go. He'd have to be a witness. He'd have to look these people in the eye, most likely, and betray the people who are closest to him, Tony, for example. So I I can see it from his point of view of, of why he did this thing. Yeah, no, I agree. All the, but then I also doubt, like, if he, if Chris was facing down five years, what do you think his choice would be? Do you think he would take it like a Tony Blundetto? Or I even, I kind of even second guess Tony Soprano on if he was facing real time, uh, how things would go. Because I think I've, I, there's been like on one of the Sopranos Facebook groups, they were talking about that. Uh, and I don't know. I feel like these people are all hip. Like I get everything you're saying. I agree with, but also I feel like every one of these people are hypocrites. And yeah. when it comes down to them personally, they're going to be, make this, I guess I shouldn't say selfish choice, but I guess for lack of a better word, the selfish choice. Weirdly, I kind of, um, I mean, yes, for Tony Soprano doesn't really care about anyone. I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could see him doing that. For Christopher, just the genuine emotion that he has about the Tony specifically and the people in his crew. And like, in, in a way, he wasn't facing five years, but he was facing like, I have to kill the person I love. So if he would do that, I think he would take the five years. Don't know about 10, don't know about 20. Yeah. But, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt on, on the old fiver. Yeah, yeah, you could be right. I feel like with Tony too, like, I feel like Tony... Kind of wouldn't, but then he would rationalize it to himself like, oh, I got a family, you know, I got kids. I need to make sure I do what's best for them and, like, I need to be in their life. I don't know. I, I could be I, wrong. I ge- genuinely think it would be more like, while I'm not the boss anymore, wh- who am I taking this hit for? Like, yeah. who am I? Like, I'm the big guy, so these people have sworn loyalty to me and, like, what, someone else is going to move up and be the boss and I'm going to protect them by staying out of the limelight and eating scraps and being mm-hmm. like a junior behind bars that they can go to for wisdom? Fuck that. Um, so, yeah, I see what you mean there. Uh, they do have a sit down there and, and he asks like, um, so, you know, did you let anything slip? What did she know? What could they know? And he swears that, no, 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 it's it's going to be cool. And they hug it out and cry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he so, goes looking for drugs as well there, and, and oh yes, that's right. Find any, and but now he's and been lifting weights, and Tony does see the weights are there, so the story checks out. <laughs> yes, exactly, checks out. I do believe him though. Like he's yeah. like, there's a lot of uh, genuine feeling in him when he says like, yeah, it was just that one day, like because yeah, because what and, he like had, he says on the happen. day like couldn't handle the pain, but he doesn't want to do that and he says he's going to prove himself to Tony and I do believe it if only because he has nothing else now in his life <laughs> so <true>. cool <laughs> he has no no one that he would like betray the cause for uh, anymore so like his loyalty is uh, beyond reproach I should say yeah then we have it's interesting how like throughout this episode we keep checking in with well I mean I guess we don't keep checking in with AJ but like this AJ thing pops up a few times with all this other stuff going on uh, cause then we have, uh, Carmilla and AJ there. He's on the phone. He's being like a fucking piece of shit to Carmilla as usual. 
Um, it's a new brand of piece of shit in this, though, yeah. because she's like, I'll take away your allowance. And he doesn't say, like, well, no, dad's not going to do that. He's like, that wouldn't even be feasible. You know, yeah. that wouldn't. <laughs> or whatever he says. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't even make sense. I have $300 anyway. It doesn't really matter. Fine. And then he starts talking about this uh party they threw i mean obviously there was alcohol which he doesn't mention but like it's still like yeah it's, it's kind of uh he did something and like i love their reaction and their talk about it afterwards where it's like yeah you know maybe it's <laughs> weird he cares about something it's aj he's been chasing that fly for 10 years he's finally <laughs> moved on to something else where you know we see this as a positive i guess yeah, it's gay, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I mean, he watches Studio 54, the Studio 54 movie with Mike Myers all the time. Uh, but yeah, I do like that it's just kind of, you know, they didn't really have to worry about stuff like this with Meadow because, and I think they even mentioned Meadow earlier when they're talking about, you know, AJ's future. But now that they have, like, it's something to cling to. Hey, it's something he might be good at and something he has passion for and it's AJ. Hey, I mean, it might work. Yeah. It's true. And he, like, did do a thing because he doesn't even have the energy to, like, put together an application or whatever. And he, he, but I mean, yeah. Just him saying something like, we made 600 bucks after expenses. I'm like, just the fact that he's thinking about expenses is like, yeah. whoa, AJ's on the next level here. <laughs> he's, he's gotten this thing to see, you know, he's got his shit together. And Carmela kind of has that reaction. And yeah, uh, it's a fun through line. I can. I don't know, but I could see us starting next season and he's like planning some big party or even like that he by the last episodes maybe we see him like planning someone's wedding or something but he's actually really good at it that sort of thing <laughs> yeah like that's something i could see happening with aj and i, I did it would be such a weird tw- turn but i mean that's what life is like as well when you start you discover like hey i actually have a talent for this i guess i'm doing this you know yeah uh, so then we're next morning. Uh, Tony's going to Johnny Sachs' house. We do see Zal- Salvitro's there. Uh, Were we not talking recently about like what time is it? Because there's a lot of snow, yes. and I don't remember seeing any fucking snow forever. Well, no, I mean, because like you know, they had a pool party uh, this season, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it is. And then, yeah, I mentioned how like in the last episode, now the pool, and because there's been multiple shots too of Carmela being disgusted with Tony in the pool. But then in the last episode, it was like fall with the leaves and the pool was like covered up. But yeah, now we're just full on. It's like snow and winter. It's uh, Pine yes. Barrens over here. Yes. And I didn't pick up on it as much before, but it's just like so much snow here. And <laughs> yeah. in Johnny's like weird estate, because we've, we have saw him move in there and talk about all the acres and all the land work that needs to be made and, uh, and all of that. So um it is an interesting uh, setup for the final scene there because they, they he does say let's talk about the 500 pound elephant in the room and i almost thought johnny would be like don't talk about Ginny like <laughs> Ginny, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, uh, he brings up that johnny did start the cycle of bloodshed there when he killed you know carmine's uh woman lorraine who was based on a reporter who didn't like the sopranos <laughs> as far as i remember maybe yeah. um but yeah, they like you said earlier, they they kind of do have this camaraderie that that Tony was uh, looking for. So even if there's a conflict that needs to be squashed, at least they're like doing it. It's not the same like, oh, this is undignified. This is beneath me meeting you. It's actually like, what the fuck are we doing here, Tony? Let's fix it. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty good scene for Tony. Turns out he did not do all the wrong things. Yeah, yeah, because I like when we kind of see that John let his 
guard down a little bit of like, yeah, you know, I got to deal with Phil in my ear. Like he's, <laughs> like he's just kind of even sick of hearing about it too because it is to the point where, okay, something's been done about it. Tony B's dead. They've made it right. Maybe they didn't completely make it right in Phil's eyes because he wanted to, you know, tear his fingernails out and cut his fingers off, whatever the fuck he wanted to do. Uh, but yeah, now it's just coming down. To, now it's basically a business situation, and Tony's even given up some points from the casino that Tony B had. So he's doing the right things, and John and John even kind of goes into how like, well, I don't want to give him this because then he's gonna want this. So it is. It, it's all coming down to numbers and money now. It's not even a, a bloodlust anymore. Yeah, and he. Um, Tony's like, yeah, you got to make it right because it's kind of saying like, yeah, you got you got to give Johnny stuff to to make this go away. And I've I'm giving my stuff, but he has a great line when he's like, I paid enough, John. And it's like, even though he told him like, no, you can't kill Tony Egg. This guy has to kill Tony Egg. It's still like, yeah, I I know you liked him a lot. Like I know that you didn't want to kill him, and you did go and kill your own cousin. Because he stepped out of line, and there's respect from that, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then as things seem to kind of get to a new moment, we see. I love the the you first see the guys kind of coming up out of the woods, uh, yeah. in the background. And then Tony sees them, and then Tony fucking takes off. And yeah, it is kind of like, what is this? Go- what's going on at first? And then you start to see, oh, okay, there's some FBI jackets involved, and Tony's running through the woods. He has to toss a gun. Uh, and then Johnny gets tackled out in front of his house, like tackled into the snow. Salvitro's getting thrown into the snow and arrested as well or handcuffed. (laughs) It is. I mean, it's great to have the snow because it's such a dreamy landscape that he's sort of running through and the silence of it and the footfalls and the crunch of snow. It's all, all good stuff. It is. I do think in this situation, like there's, there's been other times where the FBI comes and knocks on the door and it's like, Oh, I'll be out in uh, two hours. I don't care. And here it's uh, suddenly very important that they like run, and it seems so undignified. But I can also kind of see it. It's a, it's a great contrast between like their big discussion about we're gonna fix this and that, and then like like the White Walkers coming from the up north. It's like <laughs> you didn't think about this threat, did you? And uh, <laughs> so they both kind of run, and I'm like, for for uh, for Johnny at least, like what is that gonna accomplish? I, I guess for Tony in the end, it's good. He can. He can drop the gun and, you know, he, he doesn't have to be on TV being arrested or getting out of being arrested or whatever. Uh, but because he would have been arrested just like uh, uh, Sal, was that his name? Yeah, uh, no. yeah. They probably yeah. wouldn't have been able to hold him on anything because he was just there. But, yeah, yeah, he still he, he still probably made the good decision to get out of there, especially if he had, I assume, an illegal gun that he wasn't supposed to have. But, like, Johnny runs. What's that about? I, it's probably just kind of, like, instinct at a certain point. Like, yeah. like logically, yeah, where are you going to go? But maybe, yeah. you know, maybe you'll get away. So it's just kind of like, ah, I got to run. But, yeah, it doesn't really work out. And Tony goes, like, uh, he's clumsily going down a stream to, or, like, a slope to a stream and walks through the icy water to escape, like, <laughs> police cars and like there's a long trek with his feet squishing and he sits down outside some place where there's a children's choir to call his lawyer uh, well who's basically yeah tells him I, sorry what were you gonna say well just since you mentioned the children's choir this is where i finally get to tell my story 
of my tangential kind of connection to The Sopranos. Right. Uh, a friend of mine by the name of Ryan McHugh, uh, I, he's a very good friend of mine. Uh, he's in, uh, I grew up with him, and uh, he was in my friend's band, Junction 18. Actually, uh, he, I, I actually, I messaged him about this. Um, the music, the, the children's choir, he did it. Uh, he released a children's music CD at the time because he was working at a preschool. Okay. And local papers wrote some stuff about how he had done it, uh, like just that he'd put out a, an album. I think you can even find it. Uh, you can find it on iTunes if you check. Let me pull up the name real quick. Uh, yeah, Teacher Ryan, Music Time, it's called. And <laughs> a couple of, like local papers wrote about it. And I guess apparently they needed a version. They specifically needed... Uh, the, the people of the Sopranos needed a kid's choir to sing Mr. Tambourine Man. Like, they were that specific, and they just needed it quick, and they Googled, like, kids' songs or something, and his name yeah. came up because there was a local article they wrote about him, and they thought that he already had, like, that song recorded, but it wasn't, so they he got called, like, they called him up, and they needed it done, like, immediately because uh, right. it was like a short time frame or whatever. So he just, you know, rounded up a bunch of his kids. They booked us some studio time because he knows a guy that did studio and just recorded it in like the span of like a, a, a day or two that they needed it and uh, sent so it cool. over. <laughs> isn't that so, isn't that, isn't that cool? I think the wiki has a link to the boston.com, like the local news uh, article about it. Like, uh, yeah, let me see. Singing on the Sopranos, Weymouth Preschooler gets two minutes of fame in the TV finale. Uh, about 15 children from a Weymouth pre uh, preschool will be featured tonight on the television show They're Too Young to Watch. A song the students recorded will be used in the season finale of the Sopranos. Uh, children between the ages of four and six. And it, it's I remember like building up to it we're like oh McHugh's got a song on tonight's we didn't obviously we didn't know any specifics and it's it's really so faint you can barely you can just kind of hear that something's going on in the school I was actually uh, gonna say that in the moment I was like it is very muffled but it is like such an obvious choice they made that you yeah. can't help but think about the music still because it's muffled but like it's a it's a raucous version of it with a lot of children <laughs> like to the point that i thought the scene would like end with him after finding this out instead of walking on he would go in and stand there and it would be kind of a callback to season one when meadows in the choir yes. and that yeah. and he's just kind of there to get warm or to hide from the cops or whatever uh, but he just kind of walks off but yeah go on yeah so yeah it's uh the children mostly between ages four and six are heard but not seen singing uh bob dylan's mr tambourine man uh ryan McHugh, a teacher at the school said he received a frantic call one thursday in january from jennifer harper who coordinates music for the sopranos she read on the internet that the McHugh had recorded a cd of children's music wanted to know if he could record a version of mr tambourine man within 24 hours uh, one day turnaround was impossible, but the 25-year-old Randolph resident was able to book time in a recording studio by Saturday, uh, and they spent several hours singing the chorus of the song. Uh, McHugh accompanied them on piano, uh, and some older brothers and sisters chimed in too. Uh, the producer of Sopranos, Mountain Brussel, de declined to say what scene the piece would be used or the significance of the song, but he called it a wonderful recording, very joyous. Um, Ryan McHugh has some idea what to expect, though no one explained the significance of the song. The two-minute scene featured the song was described to McHugh so he would know how the music should sound. 
Uh, he just said, Tony Soprano talks on a cell phone outside of a school and the children's voices can be heard through the open windows as if they're rehearsing. Um, so yeah, yeah. Ryan McHugh, he's performed at the band Junction 18 and he's in the group Sunset is a Battle. Uh, but yeah, he's a that teacher, was, I suppose. It sounds like he's a teacher as well. Yeah. yeah I don't think he is anymore. At the time he was, he was like te- a music teacher at a preschool. Now I think he just kind of does gigs. Like he is basically a yeah. musician. Um, cool. but yeah, I had to hit him up cause I was like, Hey dude, I'm, I've been doing a Sopranos discussion and we're coming up on your episode. Uh, <laughs> did he have any further insights into the finale of season five or anything uh, like that? I mean, all he mentioned is that they just said that to them, the song was very, had a very symbolic meaning about Tony's struggle. Now I haven't really looked over the Mr. Tambourine man lyrics. Uh, let me see. Here. We should do that right, yeah. now, right now. Um, let's see. Uh, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy and there ain't no place I'm going to. Play a song for me in the jingle jangle morning. I'll come following you. Uh, take me take me for a trip upon your magic swirling ship. All my senses have been stripped and my hands can't feel the grip and my toes too numb to step. Wait only for my boot needs to be wandering. I'm ready to go anywhere. I'm ready for the for to fade. On my own parade, cast your dance and spell my way. I promise to go. So it's all about like just he's. I guess Tony's Mr. Tambourine Man. He's leading his soldiers, right? Well, uh, there's been some speculation uh, that the song is about drugs uh, oh. because it's like the smoke rings in my mind. And Dylan has denied <laughs> that the song is about drugs, <laughs> though he was smoking marijuana at the time it was written. Dylan was not introduced to LSD until a few months later. So let's uh, not think about that. But the song has been interpreted to call to the singer's spirit or muse or search for trans- transcendence. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think um, the lyrics you said there, right? it's ready for it to fade, something like that. Ready for it to go. That was in there, right? Yeah. I feel like this whole boss thing, I mean, even though he's he's vehement about it, he wouldn't give it up. It's still, like, very obvious at this point in the show. And, I mean, I guess it has been that this whole, it's, you know, about the American dream. You get you get where you wanted to go and then you're there and you're still like, what the fuck? Cause now he has to kill his cousin. Now he has yeah. to do this and that and he's going to keep doing it and he's going to keep being the person he is. But thinking back on um, him with his sister earlier in the season of like him wanting to be better and different, but he just can't let her have that little piece of something positive. Like, uh, you know, etc. Whereas <laughs> yeah. my mom, Mima. just a line I think about daily now. Um, <laughs> but like with everything going on, I don't know. I think his relationship to life itself is, I mean, it's always been um, a weird thing. When he looks down at his dead cousin, we get some shots back and forth there. I don't know why this song in particular. I can't crack the nut of that. It is. Yeah. It, it does feel important because it's basically the last scene. This. I mean, the next one is just him walking home and sort of we we hang in this wide shot and fade to black. Um, but yeah, it, it's like just this is what we have instead of a montage at the end. We have like it's there's been all this build up and then. At the end, you're just walking through the woods with squishy feet, even though you're the boss. You're yeah. like, this is what you're reduced to at times. So, and, I don't know. What do you think of the song and everything? Well, the song, yeah, the song's hard to say. I, I just love the idea that they were that specific and it they wasn't kind of like, oh, we need a quick, we need a track of kids singing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because, 
you know, most of the time probably just would be that. But they're like, no, we need to track a kid singing Mr. Tambourine Man. We need to hear that. And it's so great that they're kind of frantically like, oh, shit, we don't have the Mr. Tambourine Man yet. Like they're editing the finale or whatever. And it was I, I, I could see how it would be something that wasn't of immediate uh, like we need this now. Uh, yeah. But just so cool that, you know, it's probably something that's happened more and more now with things like YouTube and stuff like that, where you can easily just, well, not easily, but you can kind of grasp an audience and someone can stumble upon your thing. And the next thing you know, you're, you're doing something for a TV show or a movie. Yeah. Uh, but in 2004 or whatever, the fact that they just Googled like kids choir or something and, you know, my friend's name came up because of a local thing and they just call him up like, Hey, can we get this? Let's do this. Uh, yeah, that's it, cool. it's awesome. Um, I think you're right in that. It probably happens a fair bit. I remember something on the better call Saul podcast that the people behind the scenes do, uh, about like just this type of situation where it was like, right, we need this, but in French, can someone yeah. do this <laughs> or whatever it was? And they like had, and like the, the frantic nature of like, yeah, being a music supervisor or whatever. And then like, you're talking to people on Skype interviews, like how quickly can you do this? What, like, we want a version of this song. Let's hear your spin on it. And they got a bunch of people to do different versions and everything like that. So, so yeah, it is. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's like that. This was a long time ago. I would not expect this to happen as much back then. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And just the, like we, it's, it's kind of well known more now that how specific they are and they are doing things for a reason, but it's just nice to see kind of more proof of that, that, you know, they, they do have like specific visions and little things they need to put in and details and stuff like that. And they are paying attention to that. And yeah, something like a show like Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul does the same thing or basically most quality shows will do that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, when Tony comes home, he does make his full transition into the bear as well, because yeah. when he rustles up through the, you know, the branches coming up in the backyard, you know, the bear comes home and, uh, you know, we, we started the season with the empty house and we kind of have that, but Tony's back and here we are, let's get ready for season six. Yeah, I think that's a great way of describing it because, yeah, yeah the bear has just been kind of hanging around to remind us of that Im imagery. That shot actually starts in slow motion, which is quite noticeable because it's... I feel like that's one of those things that they probably would have done differently if they could or if they had modern technology or whatever. It's just, it looks kind of weird and, like, when like not as bad as when they do a freeze frame and then fade to a <laughs> flashback or whatever, but it's, it's one of those weird moments. Um, but, yeah, it's... Because you just see his hulking shadow there as he climbs up and, and goes into the house. We we hang on that wide shot, like you said, the house repopulated by him. But it still looks like a weird, empty castle. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what did you think of season five? Uh, it's great. And I think it's even better on a rewatch um, kind of with discussion in mind and kind of what they're building up and where we've come from the previous four seasons. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. What about you? I liked season five a lot. Um, seasons uh, three and four, they're kind of connected in a way. Like, it feels like one story. Season five feels more tight and self-contained. And we do have the whole, like, the, the plot with New York kicks off early on as Carmine 
kicks the bucket. I think that's uh, like early in this season. Yeah. And so all of that is in here. So we get to see a mob war, how the Sopranos would do it, which is in this sort of understated way, which is in like, oh, we get to see a dream sequence while important <laughs> stuff is happening. Uh, it weirdly ends because the FBI comes in, all this stuff. Um, so we get to explore those things. And we also get to see... I don't know, some really great episodes where we dig deeper into Tony's mind, but then also we get more distance to him because I think it isn't, even though I think David Chase said, oh, what, he's always been a bastard. I think that's true, but we get to see more of it here at times in the things he does that are purely malicious and we're sort of disconnecting from him as a character, but he's still so fascinating to watch. Um, Obviously, Adriana, that came to a head. That was really... uh, really great episode last week and um yeah there's a lot to to praise about it because thematically i feel it's very um i don't know if concise is the right word but it's like it feels tight everything that's in the season like obviously with um Sorry, the, the, well, maybe we didn't need Feech. I don't know. They do mention Feech, this episode. Poor oh, guy, they right. sent the wrong yeah. guy back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that wasn't this, wasn't it? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, there are ups and downs and so on. Um, but everything going on with Tony Egg and Tony Soprano and the fact that their relationship is actually about Tony's feelings and his fainting, like it ties it back into season one and what was going on there and what, what's happening in his brain now. And um, maybe not as much Melfi as maybe we needed a bit more Melfi. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, definitely one of the best seasons so far for me. Yeah, it was kind of interesting when Melfi... Because I guess it isn't like we haven't seen Melfi in a... Maybe we haven't seen Melfi in a long time. Because it definitely feels like it. In the similar way you talked about Junior. uh, When Melfi pops up, it's like, oh yeah, that's a thing on this show. I forgot. It's yes, it's felt like it's been for exposition, which is the way we said in season one, like this is how you shouldn't use it of having like let's talk about the issues going on in the rest. Like the best episodes with Melfi is when we actually get to see something deeper happen rather than just have Tony air out the plot. Um so but there's been a bit of both of that uh this season, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, as we kind of mentioned last week, we are definitely coming into the home stretch. Uh, you know, season six, which is six A and six B, uh, coming down towards the end here, uh, about 21 episodes left to go. Uh, come along for the ride with us. Yeah, come along for the ride indeed. And you could share your thoughts on Season 5, maybe in a review on iTunes, which we very much appreciate. Uh, you could, of course, also uh, give us uh, an email to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. Um, anything really relating to the shows we discuss, there are more shows at showswhatyouknow.com. So just send your thoughts to showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com. I know a lot of repetition here. It's a brand, guys. Um, <laughs> please try to keep up. Uh, we're also discussing The Handmaid's Tale right now. And Stranger Things, uh, Season 3, or sorry, Stranger Things 3 is out. And uh, we'll actually be discussing that right after this. So... Um, yeah, just go to strangerthingspodcast.com because, yes, we do own that. Anything else, Jim? Well, there's just one more thing. Oh, what's that? Cut to black. <laughs> <laughs>